While story invites us to ask powerful questions, your life and your story are shaped by the questions you ask. What is the story that you ache to tell? The only way to become a better storyteller is by telling more stories. The only hope we have are the stories we tell. Stories not bound by what is possible. We are proud to be storytellers. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Story Podcast. I am Harris the Third, and I am fired up. Oh, I'm fired up for a lot of reasons, but I want to share two of them with you specifically right now. One of them is Story 2019 is now just weeks away, weeks away on September 19th and 20th here in Nashville, and the lineup is absolute fire, which is probably why we are only 50 spots away from being completely sold out. This is not hype. If you're on the fence, you don't have any more time to wait. Go to story2019.com now and register. Otherwise, the tickets will be gone. We will sell out. The other reason I'm fired up is because we have Kevin Carroll back on the podcast today. Oh, this is a great week. We pulled from our archives and gave you the chance to hear from him just a couple of weeks ago, but I was recently in Portland. I stopped by his offices to sit down for a more in-depth personal interview. And as always, Kevin brought wisdom, inspiration, and so much practical advice for creators and storytellers. He's become somewhat of a mentor of mine, and I just have so much respect for this guy as a leader. Kevin's an author, a speaker, and now I'm using his words, a change agent. He's worked with companies like ESPN, Nike, Starbucks, the NBA, Disney, Mattel, Hasbro, Procter & Gamble, the Discovery Channel, Capital One. I mean, the list goes on and on. You guys get the idea. He rolls in some big leagues. But the reason these companies bring him on board to make changes is because Kevin believes in the power of community. I love that about him and his wife learned so much from him about building this story community. We always joke around that he becomes the mayor of everywhere he goes because this is a man who knows how to connect people not only to each other, but to their actual selves and what they're excited about. I'm going to let him explain. Let's dig in. It's about community. It's always been that because it was out of necessity from my childhood. So the Preston Playground was probably the first place where I was quote unquote the mayor just connecting people and being connected. And that was out of necessity because I didn't have a traditional family setting. And so I had to find my tribe. I had to find my community. I had to find a place I belonged. And so everywhere I've gone, it's always been basically recreating Preston Playground, hmm. inviting, inclusive, and celebrating each other. And that's what the way it was when I grew up. And so I think I learned these early lessons and They've evolved over time and matured, but there's always at the root of it is belonging and connecting on a human level. And once I start to understand, what's your story? What are you about? Oh, that's cool. I wonder if I could encourage that a little bit for you. Hey, I saw this thing. I remember you said you like magic. Dropping this off for you, dude. Enjoy. Why did you? Because I know you're into it. Might not be my thing, but I know it's your thing, and so I want to encourage you. Sure. And so the more that I started realizing when I would know your story, and then I could actually gift you something to spark you 
and to encourage you because that's what was done for me by Miss Lane, right? My best friend's mom. And I talk about her in a loving and very respectful way that she was my CEO, my chief encouragement officer of my dreams. So in many ways, I recreate Preston Playground, but I'm also the next iteration of Miss Lane. I'm the CEO on a global scale. I'm encouraging people to chase what sparks you, what brings you joy, what lifts your curiosity, your wonder, right? And what's your magic, right? And so that's what I get an opportunity to do every place I go. And everyone actually always points that out to me, like, Kevin, when you come in, there's like this, like, whoa. <laughs> and I'm like, really? And they're like, yeah, but I said, but I'm not loud that way. Like, I'm not, look at me, yeah. presence, you know this, you've been around me enough, but there's something that I'll do, like, so what's your deal? And before you know it, I'm having a, a robust conversation with a person, but it's not to attract people to come and look at me. It's more like, yo, dude, we are vibing here. Let's go. That's always been the thing, is how can I encourage you? Because if you shine, I shine. And I think that's always been my attitude, right? That if I'm in the business of helping you shine, I'm always going to get mine. But if I was always about promoting me first, and dude, everybody's going to know that agenda, so I've always been this perplexing, you know, confounding figure to a lot of people like, so uh, what's your deal? What do you want out of this? I'm like, dude, if you shine, I shine. My agenda's you. Yeah. Well, then why are you benefiting from that? I said, because at some point you're going to bring up this guy I met, da -da, and that could create another opportunity for me. I said, I want people that are advocating for me when I'm not in the room. I want people sponsoring me and celebrating and talking about me. And that's really where I think I've been able to have this longevity of my message, of my work, of my endeavors. It's people actually being my hype people, right? So I got Flavor Flaves all over the place, man. <laughs> I got them everywhere, dude, hyping me and talking yeah. about me and someone saying, I just was talking about you. Really, in a good way, absolutely. I'm like, thank you. Yeah. But that's all through being generous first. Now, when I talk about Kevin being considered the mayor of places, that's not just me talking him up. In fact, he was officially declared the mayor of a place called Nike. Yeah, that Nike, the mayor of Nike. And I want you to hear this story because I think it illustrates what Kevin was talking about, about the way he draws people to him by focusing on them. It's a little bit of a long story, but I think you'll agree it's worth every second. So here's the deal. We were... Bill Bowerman had passed away, who's the co-founder with Phil Knight of Nike. Sure. And they were getting ready to celebrate his passing with a tribute. And so one of the things that was interesting was we were seeing these announcements in different places, cafeterias and stuff, and they were table tents, right? So I'm like, what is that? And so I sat down with a couple of my friends. And, I said, And at the time, you're what? So at the time, I was, what was my, what was my title? See, it wasn't so, even memorable. <laughs> no. So I had lots of different titles. I, 
I always called myself the catalyst, right? So that was always my title. I think at that time, my function was I was a category innovation director, okay, right, for cross training. So that was what I was supposed to be doing. <laughs> okay, but I was part of. But the point a, is, you weren't hired to do what you were about to do. No, no, that's the point. Like this is what I was scheming had yeah. nothing to do with my job title, function, nothing. My ROI, KPI, none of that was involved in this. <laughs> Got it. And I'm sitting down with this, with this, uh, what I call my creative collaborators and sympathizers, as I called them. And I said, hey, <laughs> we should do something on behalf of the people to celebrate Bill Bowerman. And he said, what do you mean? And I said, well, you are here because of your love of sport and you're here because of your love of sport and my, I'm here because of my love of sport, but we wouldn't have this place if it wasn't for Bill Bowerman's love of sport. So we should celebrate that from the people, not the business. He said, well, what do you think? I said, we should take over the whole campus. Guerrilla market our own campus. He said, oh, now you're talking. I said, yeah. I said, what do you think? They said, oh, we could hang banners. And we, so this is the brand team, right? We could do this. We could do, I'm like, yeah. I said, you know what else we could do? We could get free waffles for everybody. And they went, what? I said, yeah, like the waffle outsole, the waffle iron. What if we got free waffles for everybody before they went into the tribute? They said, could you pull that off? I said, I know the head of food services. I could ask. So they're working on the brand stuff and how we're gonna take over. And I go to the food service director and I said, so look, I got this idea. Could we get like 15, 20 waffle irons lined up and a cook at each station in University of Oregon gear and they're making waffles for people before they go to the tribute? He goes, Kevin, that's brilliant. We can do that. I said, really? He goes, yeah, we can do that. I said, so, we can get set, yeah, we can do that. So they literally set up a waffle line and there were like 20 cooks, all in University of Oregon gear, making waffles. The word got out because we sent out an all employee announcement. I went on the microphone, right? So I got, so here's how I got on that, right? Cause you're not supposed to be able to do that, right? To 3000 people really, I said to the woman who ran that, I said, so look, I'll bring you your own waffle to your desk. If I could just get on the mic for like 30 seconds. Oh, you'll bring it to me? I said, hot. What are your what do you like on it? Maple syrup. What do you like? So she said, okay, okay, okay. So of course you're not supposed to be able to do this. And 6:30 in the morning, I recorded. Get your free waffles. Free waffles this morning before the Bowerman tribute. Yep. And come in and celebrate the man, the myth, the amazing person who helped to create this amazing company. Get your free waffles. People, so when they open it, it would flash on your thing that there was a message. So they would hear this, get your free waffles, right? So they're like, is that Kevin? Right? So, <laughs> so people are like, was that you on there? I'm like, yeah, 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 go get your waffles. So, How'd you get on the mic? <laughs> so, yeah, exactly. So it was so beautiful. The Bowerman family found out and they decided to come early to get a waffle. And Phil found out about all of the things that happened. And he was celebrating internal communications for it. Hmm. Great job. Then I, well, actually, we didn't do that. They're like, you didn't do it? No, it was Sky, Kevin Carroll, and his group of people. They did that. Oh, I need to find out who he is. So he searched around, and he found me. And I get a, um, a call from my boss, Tinker Hatfield. He says, Phil wants to see you. I said, why? He goes, well, he wants to talk to you about what happened. Well, why? He goes, I don't know. He said, he just wants to meet you. Okay, 
So I go up to his office, and it's on the fourth floor of the John McEnroe building where all the executives. I'm like, this is daunting. I don't know what's fixing to happen here, but okay. And I go in, and he says, um, why'd you do it? And I said, why'd I do it? He says, why'd you do it? And I said, well, shouldn't the people let the family know how much he meant to us? The business is the business, but the people, we're a part of this. And I just thought we should let the family know. He says, well, I like that. He said, I might be CEO and chairman here, but you're the mayor. We're going to meet regularly. I said, okay. He says, in fact, you're going to schedule with my assistant out there, Lisa, and you're going to get it all done. Lisa and I have been friends ever since. It's amazing. And we met for the next almost three years on a regular basis monthly and he would ask me so how's it going out there what's the temperature what's going on and that started my relationship but it also just emboldened me to make sure that I wasn't in my office if I'm in my office I'm not doing my job my job was to be out and about and being a bridge builder connecting people Kevin talks about how his role as quote, mayor, unquote, is what took him out of the sort of numbers-based productivity measuring job and the way we usually think of work and into something more human, more creative, more purposeful. It helped remind him that the people around him weren't just job titles. They had ideas and dreams and wanted something for themselves out of the work they were doing. And when you tap into that, the work itself ends up better too, because People are operating out of what they really want, not just what they're supposed to do. And that's another big part of Kevin's whole ethos, actually, the importance of doing things we're not supposed to do. In other words, the importance of play. Play is serious business. It's a great oxymoron, <laughs> right? Yes, right. And especially in the business that you know many of us and the listeners are in, is, which is creativity, innovation, and problem solving, right? And bringing ingenuity and abstract thinking Play is at the root of that. There's so much research and science to support that. And I can give you a myriad of resources to go to, but I just think, you know, for many people, really, just think about this. If I give you this image, close your eyes and go, giant refrigerator box. Somebody out there just went, damn, I love that (laughs) image, right? Because it hearkens you back to your youth. Yeah. And it was one of those amazing, magical gifts. When someone brought that big canvas into the house or the yard, wait, all the kids notice from the neighborhood. So we have some kids right down the street here who I've gotten to know because they build forts and everything. Their parents bring boxes for them all the time. My wife will send me a text. They're at it again. And I'll go, I'll purposely change my path home to walk by where they're building something. And these kids come up with elaborate labyrinths and all these things using these boxes. And I said, wow, look at that. That's play. That's joy. That's community. That's collaboration. That's teamwork. That's problem solving. That's negotiating. You negotiate. How about if we, could we, maybe we'll do that tomorrow. And using it till there's nothing left of it. That's what I love about that giant refrigerator box. You will use it till it barely can hang together. We can get some duct tape. We're trying everything, (laughs) right, to use it till there's nothing left of it. And that is our base level of play. Yeah. And I think the more that we recognize that, the better we're going to realize that play is at the root of all these things. 
And we shouldn't be ignoring it. We shouldn't be marginalizing it. We should be celebrating it and lifting it up and recognizing its importance and its role in all these things we're trying to accomplish and achieve. You need to bring some plat. I mentioned this at my talk um, last year at Story, Stephen Johnson, and he's got that beautiful quote from his book, Wonderland. You'll find the future wherever people are having the most fun. Such a great quote. It's a beautiful quote and so much insight into that that he cites all these breakthrough innovations from the 20th century. And oh, guess what? Most of the time when they actually happened, they were having fun. There was joy involved when they actually went their aha moment. So why aren't we celebrating that? Rather, we're marginalizing it because we think our titles and all the letters after our name give us the ability to come up with these ideas. No, go back to your primal source of joy. Go back to play. Go back to fun. And then use all those learnings and education that you have to identify something unexpected, to identify something that no one would have anticipated, to identify an opportunity that no one saw. And I think that's our thing that's waiting for us, awaiting us, all of us, right? If we celebrate play more often, not push it to the weekends, not marginalize it, but recognize we need it each and every day. When you put it like this, it all sounds easy. Build community, recognize the humanity in each other, play. And while you might find that this comes naturally, since these are all very natural things, they're not easy, right? They take energy, prioritization, and really a reshuffling of the way we think about the world. That's why I want to bring one more thought to you from Kevin. Listen in, it's about focus. So how do you make sure you're in the right frame of mind? It's just like an athlete. How do you lock in? Kobe Bryant talked about how he prepared before the games. And if you go back and you actually watch this, you don't have to be a big fan, but you will appreciate his ritual. We were talking before we went on stage and I was interviewing him at the Aspen Ideas, uh, Aspen Project Play last year. And I said off camera, I said, hey, um, I have these rituals. Like I have very specific things. I have my... My mom and Miss Lane are in my pocket. I wear a hat because that's my grandfather, right? I always cross myself before I go on stage and say, please, Lord, allow me to share my gift once again. Hmm. And I do that every time. And then I go on stage. He says, oh, Kevin. He says, watch the videos. You'll see. I have very specific things I do. So when we go out for layup line, my pants were unbuttoned on the side. And then we go back in the locker room, get our last instructions, come out. By this moment, I'm you know, fairly established in the NBA, and so I'm getting introduced last. So I'm sitting on the bench, and they're going, starting to do my introduction, and they're introducing everyone else, but if you watch, I'm bending down, and I button my pants, and then I untie my shoes and tie them back, and I say, tighten up. Untie the other shoe, tie it back, tighten up. By this point, they're saying, from Lower Marion High School, and I'm getting up, and I go. So the whole idea of tighten up. So he said, that's what I did every game. And he said, that's when Mamba mentality clicked in. So how are we doing these rituals and not taking for granted the gift that we've been given, right? Because it chose you. Whatever your creative, it chose you. It's not like you were sitting around because we all know that someone tried to discourage you from doing it. 
starving artists. You're not going to make any money. Why don't you do something where you can make money? Da, 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 right? So you've been discouraged and you hung in there because you found your mislane, someone who encouraged you, and now you're in it. But now you think a title is enough, yet people keep coming at you. Gimme, 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 gimme. It is not reciprocal. They want from you. They are not pouring into you. They're not feeding you. Hmm. They're not. So you got to take ownership of that. And you got to prepare yourself each and every day for the good fight on behalf of your creative endeavor. How are you going to fight the good fight? How are you going to compete? You got to bring this athletic mindset. You're competing. It just happens to be on a creative playing field. So prepare yourself properly. Get energized, replenish, fuel yourself, and then show up and then cross that threshold, whether it's sitting in your car, taking a pause in the parking lot, or it's when you know you're getting ready to go in the building, you've got a little ritual. You, you know what Clemson has, hit the rock or whatever, they got a rock, play like a champion at Notre Dame. Everybody's got these rituals that have you cross a threshold. So what's yours as a creative? And then it's game on. Let's go. I'm here to compete. I know you want stuff from me. I'm ready. Let's go. I'm ready to fight the good fight on behalf of creativity and innovation and ingenuity and surprise and delight, all that. Let's go. But I think that's one of the things, Harris, that I always get concerned with with creatives. And when they burn out or where they get um, discouraged or where they get this, uh, um, the passive aggressive stuff that happens, I just don't care anymore, right? <laughs> right? You know how that, ha- we all know this happens, right? They just don't care, so I don't care, right? Right? And they have like work slowdowns, right? Right? Or I'm not, yeah, here, right? And they're not proud of it. They're not proud of the work. And then they fret that they gave that, right? Because they were angry. Yeah. And now they're worried because that's going out into the world. And I'm not proud of that. So how do we ensure we're always proud of our output? It goes back to your energy. That is the root source of what you can do. When you were a child, you had a bottomless well of energy. But now you got to be really intentional about replenishing and taking good care. And don't expect anyone to do that for you where you work. You got to own that. And you got to let people know you need that time so that you can put forth what they want from you. Obviously, all of this is going to take some practice. Learning to replenish your well of energy and then expending that newfound energy on things like playing and helping other people connect, it's not necessarily easy, but well, it's definitely a better way to live than the disconnected, non-creative hustle that has such a high premium on it in our current culture. Guys, be willing to do the work to reframe your mind a little, the way Kevin has. You could end up being the mayor of your own place too. and. Hey, if you want to spend a whole day hanging with Kevin and find out why he ended up becoming the quote unquote mayor of Nike, you can learn from his unbelievable experience of being one of the most respected creative leaders in the country. Um, This year at Story, you can do that this year at Story. He was on the main stage last year for only 30 minutes, um, but he's back at Story this year on the day before the conference for a full day pre-conference workshop on Wednesday, September 18th. You do not want to miss it. You can learn more all about it at story2019.com. Just go there, click on workshops. Guys, I can't wait to see so many of you in Nashville. This time really does seem to sneak up on us each and every year. It's hard to believe that we're just weeks away now. As always, thank you so much for listening. Until then, please keep telling stories. You have a story, your story matters. So many of you are shaping the future of our world. 
It is an honor to produce this podcast. I'm so grateful that so many of you listen in. Thank you so much for the reposts, the retweets, the shout outs on social media, the emails you send. I can't wait to meet so many of you in person very soon.